What's up, weebs, and welcome back to Anime Lane, the podcast where we take you down the yellow brick road of anime and have a look at everything it has to offer. As always, I'm your host, Rebel Notorious, and it's one of my legendary solo episodes. Don't know why I'm calling them legendary. Uh, I don't know how well they're performing currently against everything else. <laughs> um, I'm sure the ones where we have better flow of conversations are the ones that are performing better. But anyway, yes, of course, I'm on my own. And since you pro- if you've been following along, uh, you'll probably know that this is uh, another episode covering the legendary legend of the Galactic Heroes, the new thesis. I've given up pronouncing the German subtitle. Um, and then I'll talk a bit about Jujutsu Kaisen Zero, which hit Crunchyroll uh, not long before I recorded this, which is how I watched it, because I didn't see it in cinema because I hadn't watched Jujutsu Kaisen at the time. And now that I watched it, I'm like, fuck, I could have gone seen it in cinema. <laughs> uh, and then I also have a, another couple of things to cover, so it's going to be a quite a densely packed episode for being on my own, I think. Um, I'm going to go over the, the like, just summarise my thoughts on the, 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 the very small amount of shows that I watched uh, for the summer 2022 season. Uh, which was uh, my stepmom's daughter is my ex or step ex, um, and uh, what was the other one? I've totally blanked. Oh my god, I can't believe I'm doing this while I'm recording. What was the other show? I only watched three so- shows this she- this season. It should not be that hard for me to remember what I watched, and I literally just finished it, like this week. Um. What the hell? Why am I blanking like this? I'm sorry, this is getting left in. I apologise. I'm not editing this out. I'm annoyed at myself for doing this. Oh, Rent-A-Girlfriend. How the hell did I forget about Rag? Um, Yeah, so Rent-A-Girlfriend Season 2. And then, uh, unfortunately, uh, if you listen to my impressions episode, you know that I mentioned that uh, Dan Machi is it wrong to pick up uh, Girls in a Dungeon Season 4. Had started, but it was like only in the first or second episode at the time I recorded that episode, because uh, everything else was like halfway through. Uh, we're still well. There's only one more episode to air. I'm two episodes behind. Haven't watched the most recent episode yet. Um, so I'm not going to be talking about Dan Machi, and there is another reason for that actually as well. Uh, I will say I'm enjoying the season, uh, but the other reason is you probably won't hear me talking about it until April, maybe. I say April, not knowing when, if I record it after it finishes airing, when it'll fit in to the upload schedule. And that may make it seem like I am very well prepared in terms of how many episodes I have uploaded and scheduled. I don't, um, basically what's happening is when they announced this season, uh, there was rumours that it was going to be 22 episodes long, um, which was totally not normal for Damn Match. It's always been 12 or I think 13 for the first season. Um, episodes long, um, but uh, it is 22, uh, but it's split core run, so first core ends I think this Thursday, which is not far from where I am, uh, I'm recording this on a Sunday, um, and then I think it's January it comes back, so it'll run for like another three months, so if it finishes in March, chances are, knowing my own recording and scheduling, uh, it probably the episode then probably will go up until April, uh, since the episodes are usually recorded about an, a month in advance. Excuse me, I'm currently fighting back a barb. Um, so yeah, that is the 
rundown of the episode. So I think before we jump into Legends of the Galactic Heroes, I think I might just go over the the summer stuff uh, since it's, it's fairly short. There's not much uh, there I can talk about in, in general, to be honest. Um, I really enjoyed my Step X. Uh, it, and like I, I know in my Summer Impressions episode, I kind of was like, it is absolutely insane. And like I'm more watching, I, I think I said I was more watching it for like how absolutely insane it was and how, if it could get even more insane. And I think at the time, I think it was on episode six and I had mentioned that the last couple episodes at that point had been um, very mundane. Like I had totally switched gears and was going down like a, a sort of standard rom-com route. And like it, it sort of did um, and it took a while to find its its footing again. I think it was around maybe episode 10 that, like, I really kind of started to enjoy it again. Um, and that's to say I, I, I disliked it during the, the sort of, like, uh, 5, 6, 7, and 8. Um, they introduced a new character, Higashi Shira. I've probably fucked that name up. Um, who's, like, one of Mizuto's friends. Uh, and, like, just during her introduction, it plays a very standard, like, love triangle uh thing for a couple episodes and like it takes a while for it to find its footing with all these new characters well with the new with her in it and like a a character dynamic for everyone involved but it very quickly sequesters the sequesters is that the right word it like pushes the the whole love triangle thing to the side and and deals with that very quickly um and then it's more just kind of like trying to like it sets itself up as like you know these these two are best friends um even though higashi shira actually has feelings for mizuto mizuto doesn't and he he's you know he tries to be he tries to let her down nicely i suppose in his own way um and then it it like it's kind of like the mizuto and uh the sister i can't believe i'm blanking on her name uh yumi um like just kind of trying to find their like norm uh with with like higashiro involved because like she's she's hanging out with mizuto a lot and uh and like they're dealing with their feelings and stuff like that it's good uh i i was i enjoyed it more than i expected in the end um to the point where like there hasn't been an announcement for a second season so i might end up reading the books instead um it's it's one of those things i can see like just being not like a junk food book that comes out every couple of months but like just something like funny and and like comfortable um to 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 read um and then you know rent a girlfriend was rent a girlfriend like it it's it, if you've seen season one, if you've been keeping up with season two, season two, and you've you've heard my thoughts, you know it's pretty much the same. I I can't stop watching it. It's like junk food reality TV, where I don't necessarily like many or any of the characters, and I'm more just like all of you could end up miserable, and I'd be happy. And like every episode, is like makes me want to cringe myself out of existence. Um. Uh, but yeah. It, Season 3 has been announced and I'm quite happy with that because uh, the season ends in a weird place. So yeah, I'm looking forward to what comes in Season 3. I, I think a lot of character development this se- season for like 
uh, Mizuhara, Ruka, um, not Mami because she was barely in it, thankfully, and like Sumi and stuff like that. So not much like movement, movement plot-wise. Uh, there were a couple of big events that were were interesting and, and threw a nice kind of like spanner into the works of stuff, um, and and saved it from just kind of spinning its wheels for the entire season. Um, but I'm looking forward to maybe seeing more plot development going into season three. While I appreciate the the character development, um, you know, you kind of see uh, Kazuya improving a little bit, and and Mizuhara. Uh, you know, their relationship kind of... It it hasn't progressed a lot, but there is there is subtle changes there that are, that are going to be interesting going forward. Um, you know, Ruka... Well, Ruka's Ruka, and she just tries to throw a spanner in the works anytime she's around um, Kazuya and, and, and has to kind of deal with the fact that she's playing second fiddle to Mizuhara. Um, and then, you know, Sumi is just deserves a much better show much better a manga series than this um she's she's very wholesome very sweet and uh she, you know she's trying her absolute damnest and and i you know i i'm i'm there for that so yeah that that's that's the summer stuff i got nothing else to talk about for summer um there wasn't much in the way of stuff that i was really interested in watching at the time and now i'm looking at fall um, like right before recording, after after finishing Legends of the Galactic Heroes, um, what I was like going through like Crunchyroll's announcements and like the announcements of stuff where it's all streaming and that, and adding like adding it all to my anime list just so I could like get a notification when it all starts because I'm gonna end up forgetting. Um, and there's so much, there is so much stuff I'm probably gonna end up watching. Um, Chainsaw Man, just like everyone's hyping it up. Um, I've seen the the trailers and I'm not. You know, it looks like every other MAPPA show. Uh, like, it just has their style. And, like, I'm not... I, I don't... I've not read the manga. Since the, the anime was announced, I've been meaning to check out the manga. And I may do that before it airs, since it's, like, a, another kind of couple of weeks away. Maybe three weeks, I think, at this point. I think it airs on the 11th of October, and this is, like, currently the 25th of September as I'm recording this. So I may, I may have some time to check out the manga and get a feel for, for like, what the series is. But I'll mainly be checking out, out out Chainsaw Man as like because that is the the show of the season. You know that's the one everyone's going to be talking about. You're not going to be able to move on social media for Chainsaw Man. Uh, there's Urusu Yatsura, um, the reboot starting there. Uh, I'm you know, I've seen a couple of people, and I do mean like a couple. Uh, not really pleased that Urusu Yatsura is getting a reboot, but it's mainly to do with the fact that, like, it's David Production, and they're more annoyed that, like, JoJo's Bizarre Adventure is kind of... Their perception is that it's been pushed aside a little bit, and they feel that Stone Ocean has suffered uh, a, a bit, because they seem to be focused on Urusu Yatsura, and I have to say, I don't know how you have that perception of events because we can't see inside the studio and stone ocean is a bit unprecedented for jojo's because it's currently with netflix so we're not getting it week to week we're getting it in massive batches of episodes but that doesn't mean that we know the production schedule that doesn't mean we know how it's being produced and we don't know how it's being produced in tandem with urusu yatsura so i i 
I don't get it. I mean, Jojo fans will find anything to complain about. Um, does Stone Ocean look worse than other seasons? No, it has a slightly different style. Um, and I think it, it maybe has a couple of rough uh, episodes or, or rough scenes here and there, but like that's the way of broadcast animation. It'll be improved for the home video release. Do I wish that this was better, you know, like, do I want better conditions where we can have better episodes as as the air? Yeah, I want the best for the studio and their workers and the animators because they're going through hell for pretty much every production they ever work on. Um, and I'd, I'd like a better production as the result if they are allowed the time and, you know, the breathing room to work on these things. Um, but I don't think JoJo's looks any better or worse this season than it has done before. I mean, it looks better than than season one and and Stardust Crusaders, and I don't mean that to to like rag on those two parts of the shows. The the first season they were very much finding their footing with the style, and they slightly improved it. Just even from Phantom Blood and Battle Tendency, it was slightly improved, and then and uh into Stardust Crusaders, it was it was improved again, but it wasn't really until we hit Diamond is Unbreakable. And Iraqi's style really started to change that, like, everything kind of clicked into place. And that's why Diamond is Unbreakable, Golden Wind, and even Stone Ocean look really fucking good. Um, so, yeah. Uh, what was I even talking about? Oh, Urusi <laughs> I I'm all for the idea of it getting a reboot. Um, because I think it'll, it'll bring... You know, it'll bring it to new viewers, people who have never had the opportunity to watch the original one. I've never had the opportunity to watch the original one because it's, like, currently not available. Discotech have announced that they're going to be releasing the uh, on Blu-ray, um, and I'm very much looking forward to that. I'll be pre-ordering that. I've got all the movies currently on Blu-ray. Um, I'm just waiting on the last one, uh, Always My Darling, coming out, and that'll be all six. Um, because, as we'll talk about later when I talk about my 25 anime... Uh, like, that's Beautiful Dreamer, the, the second movie, is, is one of my favourites uh, anime movies. And I really like the, the series, I like the characters, and I like how they interact and stuff. So I'm interested to see the main story, so to speak, because I've only ever seen the side stuff. I've, I've never got to experience, because I've never... I've been meaning to read the manga, um, and I just I haven't got around to it, because I'm swamped with reading all the stuff that I'm reading right now. Um... So yeah, you know, Chainsaw Man, Urusei Yatsura, I was talking about the, the, the October, light, the, the fall lineup. Uh, you got Gundam coming back with The Witch for Mercury, uh, you got Spy Family returning. Uh, what else was there that I was interested in? I'm going to quickly pull up my list and like look at the stuff. Oh yeah, you got Berserk, um, the Studio 4 Degree C um, movie trilogy that, that adapted the Golden Age arc. That's getting uh, like a TV airing. Um... That with I think new music, new new music from Susumu Hirasawa. So I'm I'm there for that. I'm interested in that. Uh, Uzuki Chan's back. Uh, My Hero Academia's back. So yeah, I'm gonna be swamped for the fall season. And and you know what? That'll make a better episode of the podcast for my like either impressions or for my summary of stuff. Because just talking about two shows is is not that entertaining. It doesn't fill up that much time. Um, and there'll be a bit more of a, a comparison, a, a, a contrast, and I can sort of pick my favourite. Um, so yeah, that's uh, fall um, coming up, not too far away, just round the corner. Quite looking forward to it, I'm looking forward to it again. Um, mainly Gundam coming back, 
I'm interested in seeing what The Witch from Mercury has to offer. I've only seen the prologue. It was uploaded on YouTube, like, last month, I think. Um, so, yeah, with that out of the way, uh, I think we'll, we'll just start talking about Legends of the Galactic Heroes. Uh, the new thesis, Season 3. What a goddamn season. Um, you know, coming off the back of Season 2, which was all about the, the Civil War and stuff like that, and, and like, each kind of, each faction... Uh, and, and the Free Planets Alliance and then the, the Galactic Empire both were going through like uh, their own internal conflicts. Um, Lohengrat, Reinhard was going up against uh, the, the oh god, I was it the Lipstadt fleet? I know it was called the Lipstadt War. Um, basically he was going up against like the, 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 the nobility of the Galactic Empire uh, to, to secure his place as like Prime Minister and then you had Yang having to deal with the um the the national salvation military council i think it was called uh who staged a coup d'etat within the free planets alliance and made it you know not a free planets alliance anymore um and then we had kirk heiss's death which my god i totally forgot about until like this the second episode of the i was watching of this um yeah, so like quite a lot happened, and it was it, a lot of it was more like kind of grand uh, parts of the storytelling, um, and this is all like kind of character, like this kind of hones back in more onto the characters, um, and that's not to say you know that the, like season two didn't do anything with the characters. It, it was very the the series in, in general is very character focused, but like against like grand events, it was more kind of broad stroke characters main characters and, and very few side characters kind of got a chance to shine um whereas this season like it really was uh about the other characters you know very early on in the season i think it was like the the, the third or, or fourth episode like uh meter meyer and, and rowan tall they they got like their own full episode about their their history as friends and uh their their own backstories and and how they came to to Reinhard's side and, 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 you know, being very squarely in his camp, you know, now that, that Kirk Heiss is, is gone, you know, if it weren't for Oberstein, they would be his, his right hands. Um, but yeah, so the first thing about this season is that it's got a totally new, well, totally new opening. Um, each season so far has had the, like different endings. Um, I can't remember what the name of the, first one was um or who sang it unfortunately uh but season two was tranquility by hiroki sawano um which had been in my playlist for so long like i didn't even know like i just i listened to sawano uh like especially his vocal project stuff and so like when he releases new music i i'll just like check it out and put it in my my playlist if i like it if it's a good song um, and so I've had that in my playlist for years. Like, I remember adding it, um, I remember going to see Promare, uh, Scotland Loves Anime in 2019 and coming back on the train and looking for the Promare soundtrack on Spotify, which unfortunately it still isn't on there. I think something to do with like Sony, uh, like pretty much all of other, all of Sauna's other music's on there, um, but not Promare. And I came across Tranquility, which I think was recently released at the time. I think probably because like season two was airing, 
um and listening to it and like fuck that's a really good song so it was in my playlist it's been in my playlist for like three years and it wasn't until i was watching season two that i was like oh shit i know this song <laughs> um but no sorry the the opening for season one and two was binary star um and like at first when uh, during the first two episodes of this season it's all like clips from the show and i was like oh that's a bit disappointing you know you want like a, a good standalone opening uh you want like you know some good you know nice animation to to watch um while you're listening to the the theme um and then it, i think it was the third episode that introduced the animation for it and the meaning of binary star suddenly clicked in my head um because binary star so thematically reinhard and uh kirk Heiss were the binary stars because the opening for the opening shot of Binary Star when it was the OP for the show was Reinhard and Kirk Heiss's ships spiralling around each other as they launched into space. Um, and now, for the new opening, uh, which um, I think it's it's dust, I believe, because um, there's dust and there's melt. One's the opening, one's the ending. Uh, both by Senarin. Senarin? I'm not 100% sure how to pronounce it. Um, and it opens with a shot of Reinhard's ship in front of a black hole. Now, when stars collapse, they form black holes. So, in the binary star opening, Reinhard and Kirk Heiss are the binary star. And with his death at the end of season two... He's the black hole that Reinhardt's ship is flying in front of in the opening of season three. Uh, and I think it's going to be the opening for season four as well. And then it, it cuts, well, it doesn't cut, it kind of pans in. It zooms and pans in. It does a weird motion um, and shows the rest of the, the fleet flying against the black hole. And I think that's a nice touch. That really shows the impact that Kirk Kice has on everyone. And how without him, you know, it's it's up in the air what how Reinhardt will go and what he'll do and how he'll, re how he'll react to stuff. So yeah, I thought that was really cool. Um, I I had the the note and comment that the new uh, that the new opening and ending didn't have like specific animation. It was all just clips from the show. In fact, the the ending was worse. It was literally just. Um, a black screen with white credits rolling up and like little clips from the show playing in like a very small box on the right hand side um but then episode three they they introduced like the the, the proper animation for it i assume during the first two episodes it wasn't ready it wasn't done yet that's fair enough um it'll probably get uh replaced and on the, the blu-ray release which i don't think for the u.s sorry i probably just cracked that right in the microphone I cracked my finger. Um, I don't think it has a release in scheduled for the US yet, which makes sense since it's just aired at the beginning part of this year. Um, so yeah, you know, the show opens quite strongly. Like we see Julian, which interestingly, I don't know if I brought this up yet. In the show, they press it Julian, and I was like, that's kind of weird. But then I thought, there's a lot of Germanic influence on the show in terms of the galactic empire and the free planets alliance are 
like rebels of the Galactic Empire. So it would make sense if they pronounced it Yulian. Because in German, the J is pronounced as a Y. Like Jaeger is spelled with a J, but it's pronounced as a Y. So Yulian. But I can't call him anything but Julian because it doesn't it does, it sounds a bit weird to me um if that's the right pronounce if Julian is the correct pronunciation of, of his name let me know and I'll, I'll change it when I cover season four um but yeah we get to see Julian going into his first battle uh I was surprised to see him in the Air Force um because it, it doesn't really mention what he's going over or what he's like specifically aiming for and in, in the first two seasons and it's only really at the beginning of this season that we get to see him actually going through some training and, and like, how him being, like, the uh, the adoptive son of Yang, like, affects uh, his, you know, standing and, and, and how people treat him during training and stuff like that. Um, but, yeah, he he becomes part of the... Uh, I'm just going to call it Air Force because I, I can't remember what they're called. Um, and so, like, it opens with him going into battle and I'm like, just please don't die like i don't think yang could take that um and then we get to see uh we get to see mercats again uh he's only in the season very briefly uh i mean he has a massive impact near the end um but he doesn't have much of a role to play for the majority of it uh but we can still see that he's like clearly like pained by his decision to defect which i i absolutely understand you know he's it's very recent for him. He's had to kind of throw away everything to just keep himself and his adjutant alive. Um, but I'm 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 hoping he grows into becoming like a valued advisor to Yang, um, which I I think is very possible considering what happens at the end of the season, um, where during the when the Galactic Empire have warped Gearsburg Fortress uh, into a battle with Isla Is Isleron Fortress uh, he, he's the one that's like puts a plan in motion that like saves them essentially from utter destruction um, yeah I mentioned that we get to see Metermeyer and Ruintal's like backstory a little bit one thing that I told that I just really have to point out uh, it mentions that Metermeyer's wife is like a distant relative of, of his because like he comes home one day and there's just this girl there and he's like to his parents who's this and they're like oh that's her distant relative her parents are dead so we're taking her in and then like it cuts to another scene there's a little bit of a montage and it just cuts to a scene of him like proposing to her and his dad's super happy and i'm like they're related that's kind of weird um and then we get to see ruintal's background as well and like his mum tries to gouges eye out because she thinks that he's a child of an affair which is just so intense um because his his both his parents have uh blue eyes but he's born with heterochromagia i've probably mis mispronounced that uh heterochromatica heterochromagia it's the one where each eye is is like a different color so he has one blue eye and one black eye um and I mean, like, it's not brown, it is, like, black for some reason. Um, and apparently the... Because his, his mum is much younger than his, his father. Like, his father, I think, marries her at, like, age 40 or 50. And there's, like, a 20-year like a age gap or something like that. 
And so she has, like, a younger lover that she, uh, that, you know, she messes around with. And so she thinks it's his, his child. And so she tries to gouge his eye out so that his father can't see it. And so that he, she, he doesn't know that she had an affair. Um, I don't know what happens after that because it just, like, jumps forward. Like, it's, uh, Ruintal tells us to meet Ermire while he's, like, very drunk. And he's explaining why, like, he doesn't trust women very much because uh, Meter Meyer is like always telling him, you know, like, oh, you should get married. It's like, you know, have someone that you want to come home to and stuff like that. Um, and then it goes into like how they ended up coming to, to Reinhardt's kind of group and stuff like that. And it's like all very interesting, I think. You know, finally getting to learn about these characters who are very likable. They are presented in a likable light. Um, and, you know, they are you shown to be very important to Reinhard and his his group. Um and it's only just like um now, you know, like twenty odd episodes in that we're finally learning who they are. In fact I think their flashback episodes happens like during the thirties maybe? Uh the beginning of the th oh no, it couldn't couldn't have. Uh like twenty eight, twenty nine ish I think episode wise. Um, oh yeah, and, and during one of the episodes, um, oh yeah, it's episode four, which I think is, is one of the flashback episodes. There's a dog that's, like, just going around and checking on everyone. Like, um, Hilda sees it in front of Reinhardt's house, and then you see it checking on, I can't remember who it is, uh, at a grave... Uh, and then you see it checking on a couple other people, and then it it sits at Oberstein's car as he's about to leave, and like the the driver's like, "Well, oh, I wasn't sure if it was your dog," and he's like, "Oh," uh, and he's he just kind of like takes it in, and I was like, "Is this Kirk Heiss? Because the way it's introduced at first, it kind of looks like it's it's like Kirk Heiss checking on everyone but then Oberstein took the dog in which was unexpected but then I was also like yeah I don't think that could then be Kirk Heiss. If at some point Oberstein turns on Reinhard and the dog just like like attacks Oberstein I'll know it's Kirk Heiss, but I don't see that happening. Uh, the dog never comes up again this season. Uh, it's, just, it's just yeah just happens. Um and yeah, because there's it then cuts to a scene where like Reinhard's other uh, like admirals are like talking about Oberstein, like taking in the dog, and they're shocked by it. And I'm like, these guys are just massive gossips. Because every time we see them, they're just gossiping about the stuff going on. Um, I'm and like after that, near the end of that episode, like I'm glad it shows that Reinhard is like still grieving over Kirkhouse. Um, and doesn't just, like, kind of, you know, leave you to kind of go, oh, well, all these decisions that he's making that may not seem within his character, they're, you know, uh, they're because he's grieving, because he's in this new position. It, it goes out of its way to actually show you that he is still grieving over Reinhardt, and it does that more than once during this season. Like, he visits Ge Geersberg, uh Fortress before it, like, warps, to the Isleron Corridor and uh, 
he goes into the room where like Kurt Kaiser was killed because uh, it was in there like when they had recaptured that fortress and they were like you know bringing in all the political prisoners and stuff and, and either offering them to you know be a prisoner or to you know renounce their crimes and, and join uh, Reinhardt's uh, side um, that the aide to Braunschweig uh, pulled out a rocket launcher. I think I've explained this maybe in the, <laughs> the last episode. Pulls out a rocket launcher, fires out at Reinhard, but Kirk Heiss tackles him and it goes off course. And so you see when he re-enters the room that the mark is still there from the rocket launcher. But apparently his blood is also just still on the floor. Like, they didn't just clean it up. I found that a bit weird. I get for dr- dramatic purposes. Sure, whatever. Um... Oh yeah, sorry, I'm looking at my notes here and like I've already spoken about the opening but it's like midway through my notes for some reason. Uh, I've already talked about them tra- warping Gearsburg. I can't... There's so many names that I'm just like struggling to pronounce in this show. Uh, Gearsburg. Gearsburg Fortress. Um, yeah, there's like a brief scene as well where Caselnes, who is... Uh, he was Yang's tutor in, in the, the the Naval Academy. Uh, but he's now, like, stationed on Isleron with him. And he... There's just a scene where he shows concern that there's something going on with ch- the, the chairman of the Naval Alliance, uh, Trunich. And then it doesn't do anything with that. I mean, Trinic only shows up, like, twice a season, and it's all kind of, like, nefarious background plotting stuff. But no one else seems to be concerned about him. No one else seems to have picked up on anything about him. And he's very different in character after the coup d'etat. So I find that a bit odd that no one's picked that up. Um, And we do get to see this season uh, the Dominion of Pheasant. This is our, like, first proper uh, look at like pheasant itself and not just um oh the leader whose name I'm I'm totally blanking on. Uh Adrian Rubinsky. Um we actually see like how they're playing the Galactic Empire and the the Free Planets Alliance like off against each other in terms of like what they can offer them uh and, and like supplies and, and, and uh like loans and, and you know all that sort of like cause the Dominion of Pheasant is like the financial heart of the the galaxy. Uh, and so both the Galactic Empire and the Free Planets Alliance deal with them for all their kind of financial stuff. Uh, and they've kind of remained neutral, but they're trying to play the Galactic Empire. They're trying to play to the advantage of the Galactic Empire because they want them to take out the Free Planets Alliance uh, and the Golden Bomb Dynasty so that Reinhard can become the you know leader but with the dominion of pheasant at like the financial heart of the the empire um that i cannot see going the way that rubinsky wants whatsoever like the moment he says that i'm like yep that's not gonna happen reinhard would for one never let that happen and two as soon as like however this concludes like the dominion of pheasant it's probably going to get, like, dissolved or something. No matter who wins. 
they'll either be taken taken over or they'll be like absorbed into if it's the Free Planets Alliance that wins. If it's the Galactic Empire, they're gonna get invaded. If it's the Free Planets Alliance, they're gonna get absorbed into the Free Planets Alliance. Uh, that's how that's gonna play out. At least that's how I see it. Who knows? Maybe it'll go somewhere some totally different way because there's still the whole Earth Earth cultist thing that's not really had much of an explanation so far. Um, um, we get to see uh, Hilda, Hildegard. I think they just call her Hilda, like as a Hilda, as like a, a nickname, as a shortening of her, her full name. Um, she seems to be growing closer to Reinhard, which is very interesting. I don't know if she'll become like his, you know, wife. Because they seem to move very fast in the Galactic Empire. There's no, like, dating. There's no girlfriend, boyfriend thing. It's straight up, like, oh, I like this person. I'm just going to propose to them. It just seems to move extremely quickly. Um, so who knows? But there doesn't seem to be much reciprocation on Reinhardt's side. As, like, she kind of points out when they're having dinner that he's, like, totally closed his heart off. Uh, which, you know, when you lose your best friend... I can sort of understand his, his, you know, reasoning for that. Um, I've got to hear that Kempf uh, promises his son to, uh, to go on a trip when he comes back, so he's probably going to die. Um, we don't see yet what happens, because uh, this season ends in a massive fucking cliffhanger. Um, yeah, I can ignore my notes looking at all of this. Um, I've pretty much spoken about the, the battle between... Isleron and and Gearsberg Fortress uh, and Mercat's kind of like stepping in to to give them a like a, a attack a strategy. Sorry, I totally blanked on what what the word was there. Um, like a strategy to you know to to take on this overwhelming force that they're they're going up against because it's I think it's something like twenty thousand ships or something they come along with as well. And there's I think there's less than that stationed at Isleron. Um, sometimes I just go with the flow of stuff because I'm like, yeah, I can't remember how there's numbers flowing by and there's like, oh, it's this fleet and this that fleet and this person and like, there's so many characters and there's so many like different tactical maneuvers and stuff going on that I'm like, sometimes I can't keep up with it. Um, I'm just trying to enjoy <laughs> what's happening. Um, but yeah, it ends on this like this massive cliffhanger where like, um, the Isleron and Gearsberg are kind of in a, a stalemate because they've traded they traded shots with their main like massive cannons at the start of the battle when it first warped in. Uh but you know, they, they quickly stopped doing that because it's just gonna end up in destruction of both. No one's gonna win. Um and so they then resort to like tactical maneuvers with their fleets. And so the uh, Galactic Empire tries to stage a landing force on Isleron. They're they're pushed back by the Rosenritter. Um, we finally get to see them in hand-to-hand combat, which is awesome. I was looking forward to that. Uh, and then, once that happens, is when Mercats uh, takes command of the, the, the fleet garrisoned at Isleron and uh, assaults the the recovery of the landing forces, uh, which means that, oh, who is it that's uh, in charge of that? Cause, oh, Mueller, because um, it's it's Kempf and Mueller 
uh, Kempf is the overall commander of the operation and Mueller as the uh, vice commander. Uh, and Mueller is in charge of the, the the fleet part of it. So he's, you know, dealing with the ship battles and stuff like that at this point. Um, and seeing the landing force being attacked as they're trying to retreat, uh, he acts very rashly because his, like, you know, whole standing is that no person will get left behind or, or left to die um, just because, you know, it doesn't seem like there's a way to rescue them. And so he just, like, stages a full-on charge attack. Um, and anyway, you know, there's a whole, like, whole set of events that lead on from this. You know, they, the Isler on successfully, you know, like, kind of beat them back a little bit. They, the, they, their forces retreat. Um, and then they, they, the Galactic Empire tries to stage a pincer attack, uh, on the Isler on forces, uh, when Yang's fleet finally shows up, because he's been... At, like a whole inquiry that serves no purpose other than to remove him from Isleron, and like that's why I've not talked about it, because uh, it, it it doesn't really like have much impact on anything other than to mean he's not there when Gearsberg shows up. Um, but after that, uh, oh yeah, no, sorry, I was talking about the the pincer movement thing, um, and so they they try a you know stage a pincer movement so that they can take out the Isleron forces. Um, because they don't know that Yang's fleet is nearby yet, um, and then they are going to join those two, two like parts of the fleet together, and then take on uh, Yang's fleet. Um, but Julian uh, is like, well, I think this is what they're doing. He kind of like figures the strategy out, because he's like, well, Yang's fleet's probably nearby by now, uh, and so he's like, well, they'll try to take us out, and then go for Yang's fleet. And so they, they you know, flip the table and backfire on them. So they, they make them think that the, the pincer movement was successful, but in reality, they staged their own pincer movement. Uh, and during this kind of, like, massive, like, as the Isleron fleet show up to assist Yang, uh, Kempf is like, we're going to ram Gearsburg into Islerhorn. And that's just how the season ends. And I'm like, God, they've got to stop doing this because it's like, so the episodes so far have been Fortress versus Fortress Act 1, 2, and 3 uh, with, like, subtitles. Um, and the it ends with a next time card showing the title of the next episode. Uh, and it's Act 4, Conclusion. So this is, like, every season so far, except... No, sorry, Season 1 did this as well, actually. Season 2 did do this. Uh, but season one done the same thing with the Battle of Armistar, Amristar, um, where you know it it finished mid battle, and then the first episode, like the first five minutes or ten minutes, or like the first half of the episode, or just the first episode in general, like wraps it up really quickly, and I'm like, oh, they're gonna do it again, and it's gonna have felt sort of pointless for anyone who's watched you know, who watched this when it aired back in May, to have to wait till uh, the end of September, it's going to feel slightly pointless because it's going to get wrapped up really quickly and so the point of the cliffhanger was nothing, really, other than a come back and watch. But if you're three seasons in, you're going to come back and watch. You know, this isn't like the end of, was it season five of Game of Thrones where they killed Jon Snow? But everyone knew it was coming back. That's different, though. 
where like that is like a death of a main character and you're like oh my god what the hell's gonna happen next that is a that's worth a year wait for the next season even though everyone knew he's coming back because it's like well you can't kill off Jon Snow <laughs> and they try to keep it under wraps as much as possible I'm sorry that's a massive spoiler for Game of Thrones if you've never seen it um I'm sure everyone knows that by now though anyway so yeah that's uh that's season three of Legends of the Galactic Heroes the new thesis um I won't be talking about season four for a while um because it's it's only going to start airing like four days from when i'm recording this uh when it comes out when this episode comes out at like the end of october or whatever it's only going to be like half it won't even be halfway through i don't think um so like don't expect me to be talking about uh legends of the galactic heroes again until like maybe maybe february march time it'll probably end in december if i have time to record an episode in well, I probably will have a time recording episode in December. Um, so maybe it'll be sooner than that. I'll see how I can fit it into the schedule. Uh, depending on what I'm talking about in some episodes on my solo ones. I may, like, sh- shuffle it around so I could fit in another episode in, like, December, maybe January. Um, for Legends of the Galactic Heroes. So, yeah. Yeah. I think that's all I can say about it. Um, I just need to know what happens next. Uh, so, yeah. I, wa- I wasn't sure if I was going to pick up season four or like wait until it finished airing before i watched it but i think i'm gonna end up watching it week to week just because i need to know what happens anyway uh let's move on to jujutsu kaisen zero i haven't talked about jujutsu kaisen on the podcast yet i have watched it um i watched it actually uh not long after we record recorded the pilots i believe um because uh just like I don't know if we've ever spoken about this in the podcast, Um, but the the podcast's launched in June of this year, Uh, but we recorded the first episodes for both Anime Lane and Nap back in April, I think, Uh, and after we we recorded those, uh, we we were on holiday, I think, from college. Because uh, initially the pilot episodes were college projects. That's how we sort of decided we were finally going to like commit to like doing podcasts. We are going to use those projects to launch these. Um, and so I think we, re- we filmed it at first during a holiday so that we had time. And when we were done... I decided to go on a mad dash of catching up with stuff I hadn't seen yet. And one of those things was Jujutsu Kaisen. The other stuff was like Mushoku Tensei, uh, Uzaki-chan, and like a couple other things. Rent a Girlfriend was one of them, I believe. Um, and yeah, I, I, I thought Jujutsu Kaisen was okay. Um, but I'll talk about it as like I'm talking about Zero, probably. I think is probably just the best way to talk about this. Uh... And now that I look at the first note for this, <laughs> I might as well just tackle it straight away. I don't... I, I thought Jujutsu Kaisen was okay. It feels like every other shonen. Um, and it's really at this point that I think every shonen... Battle shonen. I should probably add battle to it. Uh, every battle shonen is starting to feel very similar. And it's more down to like... 
the anime adaption and how the anime the animation you know does that elevate it to something else that's the, i think that's the only reason demon slayer is like so popular right now the the story and the manga itself are okay they're nothing special they're they're good but it's the anime that has really propelled it to something else the animation especially in the mugen train movie and in the entertainment district arc uh the second season or third season depending if you count the mugen train tv adaption as the second season um you know those have absolutely stellar animation that have like pushed it far and above you know it's it's story content and like what it actually has to offer um and i think jujutsu kaisen's in a similar boat especially and i don't you know i can only talk to the first season of the anime i haven't read the manga yet i haven't found the time to sit down and 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 like catch up with the manga because i'm intrigued to um but with the first season it is very standard shonen stuff it's training arcs it's it's battle arcs and by battle arcs i mean like um this friendly person versus this friendly person you know like training battles and uh like tournament battles the tournament that was what i was looking for it was a tournament arc um and you know stuff like that all very standard shonen affair and it was more the animation that pushed it up above you know and, and made it more enjoyable like especially like i like i like both demon slayer and jujutsu kaisen um and both i'm finding increasingly hard to have an opinion on even though i'm talking about my opinion right now and uh, because they feel so samey and so like because all shonen are starting to feel this way uh but jujutsu kaisen one of the things that really drew me in the anime while i was watching it is the animation of hand-to-hand combat. I am a sucker for really good core, whether it's in live action, really good co- choreographed hand-to-hand combat, which is why I really like John Wick, uh, or really well animated, and you know, Jackie Chan movies, if you want to see really well co- choreographed and look funny as well, watch Jackie Chan movies. Uh, Police Story, I've heard is very good, uh, and Project, is it Project A, I believe? Um, I forget which ones I've seen because it's been a while since I've watched a Jackie Chan movie. Um, but yeah. Uh, and uh, so yeah, Jujutsu Kaisen kind of hit that note where, because, you know, um, I do not remember the main character's first name. Uh, the main character's name. That's bad. Um, but like his thing is, is hand-to-hand combat. Uh, and that fairly drew me to the the show when I first watched it. Um, I actually watched it originally when it was airing. I watched that till like episode 7 I think. And then just I wasn't really hooked by it so I just was like, eh I'll come back to it later and I think it was like 2 years later that I came back to it. Um, so yeah, that's my thoughts on But anyway, um, my first note here for Zero is that it feels more like Bleach than the main series. Because the main series feels a little bit like Bleach in its setup. Um, and anyone who's seen both will probably actually... S- either you've had the same thought or you're suddenly going, Oh, fuck, he's right. If if you disagree, feel free to let me know. Tweet at us on the Anime Lane um, Twitter. You can tweet me 
and my personal Twitter at Rebel Under Dash Ah, uh, the the uh, the show's Twitter is Anime Lanecast. Um, or you can comment below the the YouTube upload of this if you want, uh, a, like a longer form to rail against me for that comparison. But it is. It feels very much like Bleach, and this one feels and Zero feels even more like Bleach because Yuta uses a sword. And like I'm not saying that's the only thing, like the only similarities between them. It's just it's very similar setups. Uh, like even to the point where like during the final confrontation of Zero, um, and I should probably mention this major fucking spoilers for Zero, for Jujutsu Kaisen Zero. If you haven't seen it, don't listen to this podcast. It's on Crunchyroll. Go watch it first. Um, like at the end when Yuta's fighting Ghetto, I think his name is. Uh, I know he shows up in the main series as well. He's like kind of the, the the antagonist at the moment. Um, but like when Yuta's fighting him, it happens in a very similar location to when Ichigo's fighting a couple of the the captains in the Soul Society arc of Bleach at the very start, at the the early part of the of the series of Bleach. Like when he's going through the Soul Society. And, like, when he fights, um, Kenpachi, especially, he's in, like, a very similar location to when Yuta's fighting Gao and, and Jujutsu Kaisen Zero. But, yeah, anyway, um, my main takeaways from the movie, I get it from a perspective of it's adapting a volume of the manga that did actually come out before the main series. Like, I think this acted as a sort of pilot for the, the series. Um, as as I I thought like this was like a, a a volume zero that came out later, um, and I think as as volume zero it did come out later, um, like I don't think it originally had the zero title part of it. Uh, I think it came out with a slightly longer title like Jujutsu Kaisen Jujutsu High or something like that. Um, but it did come out first, which I initially thought it didn't. I thought it was like a side story thing that came out later. Um. And so my main criticism, especially like as a prequel, my main criticism is explained because it's a prequel and it is something that did come out first. Uh, and that's there's a lot of setup. It it goes over. I mean, of course, it has to introduce Yuta. We've never met Yuta before. That's fine. Um, but it does reintroduce the three at uh, at the time of the first season, second years at this point in the the story, their first years. But it reintroduces them. Uh, that's Maki, um, the guy that can only speak in... Uh, is it sushi ingredients? And Panda. It like goes through reintroducing them, their backstories, and it sort of reintroduces... It doesn't... Thankfully, it doesn't go over the sort of workings of the Jujutsu hierarchy and stuff like that. Uh... And like the the sorcerer hierarchy and, and like the rankings and stuff like that, it does touch on it a little bit. Um, but I think mainly the the criticism comes for that comes from the fact that like it takes an hour of the film for the main antagonist to show up, and then from there it's like very quick like development of stuff that's going on. Um, I so yeah, like I I've just read my note again, and like I I did point this out in the note is that like the reason it could have a lot of setup is because, you know, it's a prequel and an entry point for the series. And that's fair enough. Um, but if you've seen the main series, you'd 
probably at this point, at like some point during the first hour, you're kind of going to be like, I've, I know all of this. Can we speed this up and get to the point? And then equally, if you watch this first and then watch the main series, like season one, the first few episodes, you're going to be like, okay, I get it. Can we stop explaining this stuff? And then you're going to get reintroduced to to the, the second years and you're going to be like, I know who these people are. Then you're later on, you're going to see Mary's backstory and you're going to be like, God, I know I learned this in the movie. <laughs> so I, it's a catch-22. I do sort of understand it from like a, a storytelling perspective. Um, I, I want to see Yuta show up again. He's an interesting character. But in this, he feels far too much like Deku from My Hero Academia. But not in the like right ways. Like he he suffers from the same MC syndrome stuff as Deku in terms of negative qualities of their personality and stuff like that. And that is that they're too critical of themselves. They basically take all the things that pe- that annoy people about Deku and apply them to Yuta, dial down a touch, and you've got Yuta. Um, so I'd, inter- I'd be interested in seeing him appear later, um, and, you know, have developed and maybe be a bit more confident in himself because he's a second year. Because I think at the time of the series, is it mentioned that he's like, I think he's in like America or something like that? But then at the end of the movie, there's like a post-credit teaser where he's like somewhere totally different. It doesn't look American whatsoever. It looks, uh... It looks sort of either Indian or African, like going by the kind of street design. But I could be misremembering because I I watched this like not a week ago, but like a a little bit ago now. Um, I think I watched it. I watched it like four days ago. I watched it the day it went up on on Crunchyroll, so the twenty first. This is twenty fifth. Um. So yeah, uh, I'd be interested in seeing them come up again. So yeah. Uh, I think, you know, I don't have many notes and I'm not going to spend too much time speaking about it. Um, but yeah, overall, it's, it's, you know, good animation, like I mentioned. It's more at this point when it comes to Battle Shonen's, you know, does the animation elevate it above the the manga, like, source material? And I can't comment to that for Jujutsu Kaisen. Like, Jujutsu Kaisen could be an extremely very good manga and, like, have a good story you know, once it develops and, like, kind of gets to the crux of, of what the series is, it could be very good. Um, it could be far beyond my expectations of it from what I know of the, the first season of the anime. Um, and it has a very good soundtrack. Uh, you know, that was another thing that was always very on point for, for the first season of the, the anime. Is the, the music was very good. Um, I remember, I think it's the second to last episode of the last episode... Uh, has a song that has uh, the lead singer of Cold Rain, uh, one of my favourite bands in there. And that was a good track. Uh, very good track. Um, I'm just looking at this big note at the end, and I've pretty much hit all the same points as I've you know, written these. I write things down thinking I'm not going to remember to bring these up, and I'll hit all the same points. And I'm like, I, I can't do this in real life when I'm actually like having a conversation with someone about something. I forget all the things that I think about when I watch stuff. But when I'm recording a podcast, like my recall seems to be far more on point. 
And like when I was watching Jujutsu Kaisen Zero, I didn't necessarily actually make the decision that I was going to be covering it on the podcast. I just watched it because I wanted to watch it. Whereas Legends of the Galactic Heroes, because I knew I was covering it on the podcast, like I was taking notes here and there as the series went on. So like I have quite a lot of notes of uh, Legends of the Galactic Heroes Season 3. I think not as much as Season 2. Um, but I only have like six notes on Zero. So yeah, anyway, uh, I think I hit everything. Like, yeah, my last note is pretty much what I went over at the beginning. Like, a lot of current battle shonen are fairly samey, are relatively bland in the narrative department, but are massively elevated in stature by their anime adaptions going the extra mile. Um, and then Demon Slayer is another example of this. Uh, MHA is similar, as when some fans thought that the quality of the production dropped in Season 4, regard for the season went down as 2. And that's true, actually, yeah. Season 4 overall is not a bad season of My Hero Academia. Um, it is a good arc, uh, but people thought that the quality of the animation dipped. Um, and I'm saying people thought because I haven't watched it since it aired. I haven't on Blu-ray, but I haven't revisited it yet to see like how it holds up or if the animation had been improved for the Blu-ray. I assume it has. Um, but I don't really remember. I can only really point back to uh like the the general consensus of the the show um you know people thought the animation quality went down and so the the kind of reputation of the show went down a little bit as well and then season five hit you know one of the worst arcs in the manga because at the time season four started airing i was well like ingrained in the manga at this point i think i started reading the manga halfway through season three because i was like i just need to know what's going on um and so by the time season four rolled around yeah i was like very much in the manga i knew everything that was going on i was just watching it out of obligation um though i did like season four like i can't lie i like those story arcs um it's season five that i'm not a big fan of i'm not a big fan of the class 1a versus 1b arc because it, it just feels like it's n- a big whole nothingness that leads just to deku unlocking a new power um and then there's the what is it the work uh the hero placement arc or whatever where like the bakugo deku and todoroki like go work for endeavor for a while and so other people go work for other heroes as well um and i just yeah i'm not a big fan of those arcs uh i think it's probably one of the lower points of the series but season six is coming back and that'll be like a very good arc um and i'm hoping it pushes the reputation up of the, the series a little bit um the final arc has its issues um you know i think until it's finished and we have like a whole perspective on that arc i won't comment too much um i also don't want to spoil anyone so yeah i I didn't mean to talk about mha there for too long um yeah what else was i going to cover in this episode again um what am i looking at my recording time yeah that's cool um i think yeah i've covered the summer wrap up i've covered legends of the galactic heroes i've covered jujutsu kaisen zero so i think the last thing i'm going to cover is my top 25 anime and so you're probably thinking why are you suddenly talking about this um and yeah when this episode comes out this is old news um i say and and like i say that when so for context uh ign tweeted uh, a link to an article on their site that was their top 25 anime of all time and i looked at it and it's all very 
mundane, like, all battle shonen, or like, 75% shonen in general, with like, very little, you know, that is not, you know, uh, in the pop culture of anime. It doesn't stray too far from the, these are the titles that everyone will hold up, no matter how casual they are. Uh, and so I'll go through it quickly. You got Haikyuu, which is not a bad, so 25 is Haikyuu. Not a bad show. Like, I, it's it's good. I like Haikyuu. Is it one of the top 25 anime of all time, as we'll find out when I get to my list? No. I, I like it, but it's not, you know, one of the best. Uh, 24 is Trigun. I cannot comment on Trigun because I haven't seen it yet. But it's definitely one of those ones that's like, you know, Toonami material. Um, and maybe it did air on Toonami. I don't know. Uh, I need to watch it though, because it is getting a reboot, I think. That's like a 3D thing, I believe, with Trigun Stamp is it Trigun Stampede? I think it's is it Studio Orange that's working on that? Someone correct me if I'm wrong. Tweet at me. Uh 23 is Dragon Ball Z, to the surprise of nobody. 22 is My Hero Academia, you know, Battle Shonens. Um, 21 is Made in Abyss. Look, this this very well actually could belong in this list. I haven't seen it yet, um, but everyone does talk a lot about it and how very how it's very, very good. So this this could be very well deserving of its position. Um, I can only comment on the stuff in here that I have seen, and I have seen Dragon Ball Z, I have seen My, My Hero Academia, I've seen Haikyuu. And they're not like top 25, 10, top 25 material. And then we got Jojo's Bizarre Adventure. The, and this is one of the cop-outs. It's got in brackets the entire series. Like you got to pick one. They're all very distinctive. Um, and again, I don't, I love Jojo's, but I don't know if it's top 25 material. And then 19 is Naruto Shippuden. You know, very basic. 18 is Death Note. 17 is Attack on Titan, 16 is Orange High School Host Club, 15 is Devilman Crybaby. So I haven't seen the Crybaby adaption, but I am like a big fan of Devilman. So I can't actually fault this, because I do have a, a Devilman adaption on my list. Uh, so yeah, I'll, I'll give him that. I know that Musaki Yuasa works on it. Um, so yeah, this very well could be deserving of its position. Uh, it's just that it's surrounded by everything else. So you got Demon Slayer at 14 again. I like the animation. The animation's good, but it's not top 25 material. 13, Code Geass, Lolish of the Rebellion. I can't fault that one. I very much like Code Geass. Um, it's not in my top 25, but if I were to make like a top 50, it would probably be within the, the, the late 20s, early 30s. Um, Samurai Champloo, again, I can't comment. I haven't seen this. Um, I know Shinichi, is it Shinichiro Watanabe, the director of Cowboy Bebop, um, he, he worked on this, or he directed this as well, uh, I have it and haven't got around to watching it, it could very well be deserving of his position, Bacchano, again, another one I haven't seen, but I do hear people talk a lot of really good stuff about this, so that, you know, again, another one that could be very well deserving of his position, but it's just surrounded by all the other shit, uh, Fully Cooly, Again, it's just Toonami Affair, Yu Yu Hakusho, again, Evangelion, look, I can't, I can't fault this, uh, that's, it's on my list, it's not as high as number 8 on mine, it is on mine, Hunter Hunter, number 7, Hunter Hunter's on mine, um, but it's not this high, I do like Hunter Hunter, uh, Mob Psycho 100, another 
Shonen Hajime no, Hajime no Ippo. Again, I've, I've heard good things about Hajime no Ippo, and it could be very well deserving of its position. Would I... Five seems a little high for it not being Ashita no Joe, the, the one that kind of kick-started the whole uh, sports anime scene. Um, number four is Monster. Again, this one could be deserving of it. I, I hear a lot of really good stuff about Monster. Um, and I just haven't had the chance to get around to watching it, mainly because it's it's not really available anywhere anymore. Um, I think there's Australian DVDs for it. Uh, I've just had trouble tracking them down. Uh, One Piece is at number three. I love One Piece. I would not put it that high on a top 25 of all time list. Two, Cowboy Bebop. I love Cowboy Bebop. And I think it might be in my top 10. It's not in my top 10. It's in my top 20. Um... But it's not, you know, it's it's not. Look, for some, I absolutely would not blame you if you put Cowboy Bebop this high. That's absolutely fair. Um, but when you've got it in a list like this, it just feels very unthought of and like unthought out. Because the number one here is Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood, which makes this list just feel like they went to my anime list and took their top anime of all time and just cut out all the stuff that they didn't know they hadn't watched. And they were like, I have no idea what this is because all I watched is Toonami or, or Shonen's or all the other stuff that other people talk about at the top of the anime iceberg. And like, I'm not dissing anyone who is casual fan of anime, who is only at the tip of the iceberg. And that's if that's you know where you're at and you're comfortable being there, that is fair. But this this list that is the top 25 best anime series of all time, it feels a little ignorant of the medium because it is it it doesn't go very far back in time dragon ball z is the oldest thing on here which uh aired in the late 80s and ran to the 90s but then everything else yeah 89 so it barely counts as an 80s entry (sighs) so everything else is pretty much from the 90s onwards and either aired on Toonami or is like the cultural like touchstone of Western anime and doesn't really do much thinking of. And you've only got like one that is distinctly in a different genre with Orin High School Host Club. Look, I don't want to rip on this article much because I feel like I can't quite like convey my thoughts on why it bothers me. Mainly to sum it up, and I'm sure you've heard everyone else saying this as well, it feels like it was written by people who don't actually watch anime. And again, if, if all you are is a casual viewer of anime, this show is 100% for you. We want to introduce things to you that you may not hear other people talking about. And we want to bring these, you know, these the things we talk about to a wider audience and that's presumptuous when we don't have much of an audience yet but that's the that's one of the aims of this show is to introduce these things to people and maybe make them interested in watching it Uh, but if you're content with just watching the biggest shows at the time that's fair that is absolutely fair i feel like i'm probably in that camp with normal tv with western tv i only really watch the big ones 
because my interests lie elsewhere. Like I, I mean, I watch a lot of sci-fi stuff. I watch a lot of sci-fi stuff that other people haven't seen. I'm a big fan of Stargate. I watched, I mean, I can't say that about Star Trek anymore since it came back and there's like six shows airing. Um, but yeah, I'm not going to fault anyone for what they watch, but when you're making a list that says best, best anime of all time, that feels like it should be introducing people to things they haven't heard of before, it just feels, yeah. I'm going to, anyway, here's my <laughs> top 25. If this, if, look, if you disagree with this, this, my list, that's fair enough. This is absolutely just my personal opinion on shows. And I mean, I realised only when I brought the article back up, it said series in the title. Mine's is a mixed bag between movies, series, OVAs, everything's in there. This is just absolutely like my personal like rundown of, of things that I really love and were very either formative to my anime experience or, you know, just are are very important i think you know, either for me or for in general to anime um i can't comment on that because this is absolutely my personal taste here uh so i'm gonna start off with an honorable mention because when i was writing this up i wrote it down in my phone uh like just getting like a list of 25 and then i numbered them later uh and it wasn't until i was like pulling them over onto my computer like because i have a list up here on my computer in front of me uh, that's numbered, that I realised I had written down 26. <laughs> so I had to make the decision of, ah, oh, fuck, which one gets axed? Um, so honourable mention goes to Perfect Blue, directed by Satoshi Kon. Look, I love Satoshi Kon. And I like... <clears throat> sorry. Uh, I like Perfect Blue. It's a very heavy and dark movie, though. And so I feel like that's why it kind of loses a little bit. And is like... It would be 26. You know, if I were doing a top 50. Um, I love Satoshi Kon, though. If you haven't seen any of his movies, I highly recommend Perfect Blue. Know that it is very, like, it's very dark, very heavy. Uh, it deals with some serious content. Uh, and, like, I I wrote an article on a web on my website that no longer exists a, a couple of years ago. Um, about, like, things that I would, or, like, five anime movies to see before you die. That's what it's called. Uh, and Perfect Blue was on there. And I'll, I'll give the same note, because I don't want to spoil it. Um, I'll give the same note that I gave there. The film is rated an 18 in the UK, and for good reason. So be aware of that when you're going in. Uh, if you want other content warnings, I advise looking it up, just in case you're sensitive to any of the content that it deals with. Um, I think that's probably the only title, if we even ever cover it on the show, which I, we probably will, uh, that I'll probably ever have to give like a content warning for um because i don't think there's too many that 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 really dive into this sort of thing uh millennium actress is also very good uh if you want other satoshi Kon stuff uh paprika as well i think the only the only movie of his that i haven't seen is tokyo godfathers uh and i need to fix that soon so anyway without further ado at number 25 is hunter hunter or hunter x hunter um it's meant to be pronounced hunter hunter yeah, like I said, Hunter Hunter's on my list. I really like that 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 series. It's um, I like the characters. I like some of the story arcs a lot. You know, a lot. Like I was talking about it a friend, at, uh, talking about it with a friend at work, and he's like, I didn't like Greed Island, and I'm like, oh fuck, I actually did really like Greed Island. Uh, but the the Chimera Ant arc is like is very very good. A lot of people, I think I remember sp speaking to some people that were like, ah, it was too long, it was too drawn out. 
And like against pretty much all the other story arcs in the show, I can I can sort of understand where they're coming from. Um, but I think it was executed very well. And I think it, de- it dealt with like a lot of... It had to deal with like a lot of things going on at the same time. And I think that leads to why it's being... Why it was so long. Because you had to see a lot of these events that were happening concurrently. And so you would have episodes that would happen, you know, three episodes later, uh, but were happening at the same time as the episode that had happened three episodes ago, that came out three episodes ago, or that you had watched three episodes ago, or whatever. Um, but yeah, I, I like Hunter x Hunter. Uh, I, need to, I need to get on reading the manga. I've only ever seen the 2011 adaption, and I, I really liked it. Uh, number 24 is, is it wrong to try to pick up girls in a dungeon or Dan Machi? Uh, this, yeah, very special show to me. Um, it was one of the first simulcasts I ever watched, and, like, I was just, I was hooked on it. And, and like I can't I feel like I can't properly explain why I really like the show um, but I do I really like it um, I think once the fourth season ends I'll probably pick up the novels and start reading it um, but yeah I very very much enjoy Dan Machi uh, number 23 is City Hunter good old Ryo Saiba and uh, Maki and uh, not Maki fuck <laughs> Maki Mura fucking what's her name oh my god why am I blanking on so many character names today this part's getting edited out I think uh, City Hunter. Oh my god. Why am I so bad with character names? Kaori. Yeah. City Hunter. Good old Kaori and, and Rio. It's a hard series to recommend to someone because you have to be like, look, Rio is is not... Like, he's he's a badass, but he is a sex pest. Um, And it came out in the 80s, so, like, I just kind of have to... Like, I'm... Because it came out in the 80s, like, I can sort of pass it off as, like, sure, at the time, that was sort of acceptable. And, like, he's played up to a degree where it's, like, in real life, you know, nobody would do that. Uh, number 22 is Death Note. Death Note was one of the first animes I watched uh, when I was, like, fully diving in to to it. And I still really like revisiting it and rewatching it, rereading it. Um, and I, I, like, there is something very engaging about the first, like, solid, maybe, like, half to, like, 60, 70%. It's only really once, like, L dies, um, that, like, you know, it tapers off. You, you, you have, uh, Mellow and, is it Nero? Um, uh, neither really live up to, to L, and, the, you know, they're, they are trying to be his replacements. Um, but yeah. Uh, number 21 is My Dress Up Darling, a show that came out this year, but absolutely blew me away for being extremely fun, very wholesome, just very feel-good and, and like, warm to watch. Um, I'm very happy it's getting a second season. I've been really enjoying reading the manga. Um, I'm sad that I'm caught up in the manga and that, like, I have to wait until I think it's January before Volume 7 comes out. So I'm just hoping, like, that the, the anime... Um, doesn't come out until like 2024 uh, like the second season of the anime doesn't come out until 2024 so that like the mangas and the English translations like a bit ahead of uh, of it so that I'm not like constantly in a weird cycle of both being roughly in the same place because I think this uh, volume 6 which came out this month I think as I'm recording this uh, was the first one to like uh go beyond the the anime volume five was like the end of of season one of the anime 
uh, and like volume six is the first one. I like go beyond it, introduce new characters, and like properly kind of like have a story moving event as a cliffhanger of the the volume. So yeah, my dress up darling. Number twenty is Lucky Star. This is a, this is a great comedy series. Um, for anyone who's like really an anime. I mean, you can watch it if you're not really an anime. It's a great comedy on in and of itself. But the more anime you've seen, the more you appreciate Lucky Star because they're so it is so densely packed with jokes and references to other shows. Um, and I remember I watched it a couple of years before I watched uh, Gundam. And there's like a there's a full like section of an episode that's dedicated to one joke about Gundam and it's hilarious even if you've never seen Gundam but it's even more funny if you've seen it and so like when I had I came back to watch it like I had seen it like four or five times at the point that I had watched Gundam and so I was like watching it again for like the sixth or seventh time um and I found that joke hilarious after I had seen Gundam and there's so many little references and jokes that like I get the more stuff I watch like I think the one of the ones that um I like as overtly like obvious as is the amount of times they reference Haruhi. Um uh the, the is oh what's the full title? The melancholy of Haruhi Suzumiya. It's the only like overt like reference um that they make a cut like a lot that uh, this is still one show I haven't seen and I I really need to fix that. Um I think it's probably because uh Haruhi was animated by Kyoani as well. Um, and Lucky Star was animated by Kyoto Animation too. Um, so yeah, Lucky Star, great comedy, very, very warm to like. Just you know, if, if you know you've nothing better to do, it's a cold winter night. Just kick your feet up, put on Lucky Star, you'll have a good time. Uh, number, number nineteen. Uh, yeah, I just wanted to check that I hadn't fucked up my counting there, but I haven't. Number nineteen is Dragon Ball, and I I mean Dragon Ball, the OG Dragon Ball. Uh, when Goku was a kid, um, leading up to like his teen years, like I love that era of Dragon Ball a lot. I think I mentioned this during Dragon when I was talking about superhero. Um, I will stand by that being like the peak of the series. Like that that part is ten out of ten. I just really enjoy that part of Dragon Ball. Um, I like Z. I like uh, Super. I like the movies, but none of them for me hold a candle to to dragon ball because at that point it was it was fun it was a fun manga that had some serious elements to it It, and when it hit the z the z era when you know goku grew up they introduced the saiyans and sort of all the really iconic recognizable things about dragon ball beyond the dragon balls and goku um it became too self-serious. It, it took itself way too seriously. And, you know, I think that that messed up. It didn't mess up the series, but it, it reduces my enjoyment of some parts of it later on. And I, I like I think, you know, the, the title of the opening sums it up best is that the original Dragon Ball is a mystical adventure. And and I need to find time to go back and watch it again soon. Uh, so, yeah. 18, we got Promere by Studio Trigger. God, this movie is so much fun. Fun. like it is so kinetic um the animation is amazing i could say that about a lot of studio trigger stuff that i've seen is that it's very kinetic it's very high energy very you know a lot of colors a lot of motion a lot of as as you know it's got a good story it's very intriguing mystery 
and you know it's just it's balls to the wall action it's a little dumb but it's it's incredibly fun if you haven't seen promere go watch it uh so it's, it is available in the uk uh i think mainly just through blu-ray and and digital purchase rent services i don't think it's streaming on like netflix or anything like that um but yeah go watch it if you haven't seen it very good movie uh then we got 17, Lupin the Third, Castle of Cagliostro. We've talked about Cagliostro in the podcast, so I don't feel like I need to go over it too much here. It was one of the the early Lupin films that I watched. It's, it's directed by Hayao Miyazaki. It feels totally different from all the other Lupin stuff. Um, and it's a very good movie. I love it. Uh, especially the dub with David Hayter. If you haven't seen it, watch that if you can get your hands on it. If you're in the UK, I'm sorry. I don't think you can anymore, um, but you can import it from the US if you have the the facilities to to you know watch other region Blu-rays. Uh, <laughs> number sixteen is Cyber City Oido eight oh eight. I don't know if it's Oido Oido or Odo. Um, I forget how they pronounce it in the show. This one is like just stupidly fun. Uh, it is, I think, was it the 80s it came out? I can't remember if it was the, the late 80s or the, the early 90s. I know it came out in, like, the, the anime bubble. Uh, it's directed by Kawajiri, who also directed Wicked City. Uh, I believe Ninja Scroll as well. Um, Demon City Shinjuku, amongst other stuff. Um, and, y- yeah, like, especially paired with the manga dub, which, uh, if you're in the UK, you can actually get a hold of this one. Um, sadly, at the moment in the UK, both the limited edition, which I own, and the or the collector's edition, sorry, that I own, and the standard Blu-ray in the UK, uh, which I think is out, I'm sure I remember it coming out, um, both use upscaled, um, an upscaled remaster, which it, to me, like, sure, it's not fantastic, but it's what I expect out of an upscale. Um, and like, I, I was aware it was an upscale before it came out, and I was pleased with what I got. Um, but yeah, if you're buying it in the UK, be aware that currently, as of the time of recording, uh, it does use upscale footage. In the US, um, there has been a subsequent version released that, that managed to use remastered footage from the original, I believe, film negatives. Um, which, at the time that the UK one came out, was, was thought to be lost. Um, but around the time that the, the Project Echo uh, film masters were, were found, uh, so was Cyber City Oido, uh, amongst a few other things uh, that were thought to be like lost for their original film negatives. Uh, so yeah, um, if you want to watch it in the UK, if you buy it, no matter which version you're buying, they all have the same English dubs. I, I highly recommend watching the British, the, the, the manga dub, um, which has like its own soundtrack and it's just it's it's very I'm not one that advocates dubs very often or especially dubs that feature different soundtracks uh, but yeah very fun uh, at times the, the dialogue is hilariously bad um, and the the music is, is very good um, and that sounds weird to say for something that's in like my top 25 anime of all time that like the dub is hilariously bad like the dub itself is good it's just that because of manga's like um approach to dubs at the time is like they add in swearing and 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 really off-handed like 
you know, just like cursing and stuff, just to because it was called 15ing, I believe is the term they used, of raising the certi the certification that I would receive from the BBFC so that it was more appealing um, to an older audience, which, look, Cyber City's not even for kids anyway, so it was going to appeal to an older audience anyway. Um, but yeah, anyway, number 15, we got Neon Genesis Evangelion. I don't want to talk about this too much right now because I definitely want to cover this on the podcast in the future. Um, and that's the main reason right now I'm holding off and re-watching it because I've recently been reading the Evangelion anima, anima? Uh, light novel series, which is like a sequel. A sequel that says it's set in a version of continuity of the anime where Shinji chose not to go through with the Human Instrumentality Project. Which, to me, sounds like how the an the manga ended. Um, because I've read the manga. I've, I've, I've watched the original anime, of course. I've read the manga multiple times. Uh, I've I've seen the reboot movies. Uh, and I've, I'm now reading the light novels. I really like Evangelion. Um, I, I'm not a big fan of how people talk about it and how it's discussed um, within the anime community. Mainly as a deconstruction of like the genre because uh if you've seen a lot of mech anime it's not it's like a love letter to to mech anime it's not a deconstruction and it's it's very much Anno working through some of his troubles as well and that's fair enough it doesn't run that deep though um it's still a very good show of course that's why it's on my top 25 of all time um but i definitely want to cover it so yeah, number 14, Cowboy Bebop. I mentioned it was on mine. Very good show. I love it. It's it's great. Um, again, I want to cover it on the show, so I don't want to talk about it too much. Then we got number 13, Gunbuster. Again, I'm I'm very much looking forward to the US Blu-ray of this coming out. Um, I'm hoping we get an announcement of when it's coming out soon, and I can pre-order it. Uh, and I can get rid of my Kaseki uh, UK DVD which is a horrible presentation of it. It's like VHS tapes just planked on a, on a DVD and the translation's terrible as well. Um, but yeah, so, and I, I want to cover it. So for now, I'll forgo saying anything about Gunbuster. Uh, it will be covered hopefully soon on the podcast depending on when the Blu-ray comes out but I assume um at the very least like we'll cover it sometime in 2023 because i think that's when the blurry will most likely come out um it could be the later half depending on when it comes out but yeah i assume it could be covered soon number 12 we got the devil man ovas i did mention devil man was on my list uh and one of the adaptions it's the um two-part ova series uh that adapts the beginning arc of the manga and the Demon Bird Silene or Sirene, depending on which uh, translation you're you're adhering to. Um, arcs. Uh, it was intended to cover the whole thing, but because the anime bubble burst, or like the the Japanese economic bubble burst. Sorry, uh, I think the plans for the rest of them were scrapped. Um, because on the US Blu-ray uh, is a bonus feature that adapts. Is it not adapt? Sorry, it's is an audio drama, I believe, with the cast from the Japanese version of of the OVA, 
um, that adapts the original, uh, the, not the original, the ending arc of the manga, I think. Um, I've yet to watch that one myself, I just haven't got around to it. I've rewatched uh, the OVAs a couple of times, I just haven't got around to listening to that audio drama yet. I might do this actually after recording that, this episode. Um, and then we got number 11, Psychopaths. I am a sucker for sci-fi, especially utopias that are, uh, sorry, dystopias that are wrapped up as utopias. Um, I don't want to make a 1984 comparison now that I've said that. <laughs> yeah, if you haven't seen Psychopaths, I highly recommend it. I believe it's still on Netflix. If you like sci-fi, if you like intriguing mysteries around, you know, shady governments and, uh, uh, you know, like, uh, I don't want to say terrorism. <laughs> but yeah, no, Psychopaths is very good. Um, I'm, I'm just a little sad that the third season was an Amazon Prime thing. Uh, it was tied there, and so currently it's uh, just kind of limboing. I haven't watched it yet because the, the Prime service sucks for subtitled content. Um, I actually haven't watched the Sinners of the System movies yet, despite having the limited edition, the, the collector's edition from Anime Limited uh, either. Um, I'm just a little sad because like, I really enjoyed the dub of Psychopaths because it was, it was one of the early ones I watched as well. Uh, so I was still watching dub stuff at the time. So I'm very attached to that. And so I was hoping to con you know, continue with like Sinners of the System and Psychopaths 3 as, you know, like dubbed. But uh, I think sadly that won't be happening. So I just need to find time to rewatch from the beginning in the subtitled form and get used to the Japanese voices, uh, which are good from what I hear, you know. Uh, but yeah, Psychopaths, highly recommend it. I'm sure at some point in the future it might get covered on the show. I don't know. Um, TV stuff is weird. I, I don't want to promise that we'll cover it because we're still figuring it out. Uh, number 10, we got After War Gundam X. All this way into my top 25 and it's the first mention of Gundam. Mad. Um, but yeah, Gundam X is one of my favourite. Uh, in fact, Gundam X is my favourite entry in Gundam. Now, I have a, a Gundam entry ranked higher on this top 10 anime of all time, but personally, when I'm talking about, like, uh, like a, just out of sheer enjoyment, like, Gundam X nails it for me as, as a Gundam entry. So, it's an it's, uh, alternate timeline one. Um, so, it takes place in, like, a different... It's not Universal Century. Um, but I, I feel like you benefit greatly from... In fact, no, Gundam X maybe does take place in Universal Century. But I think it's like a different interpretation. No, it's not. It's the Afterwar era. What am I on about? Sorry, I'm totally... I'm getting mixed up. I haven't... I need to watch the series again. I haven't seen it a little bit now. Um, but yeah, uh, it may take place in a different timeline, but I, I, like, I think it highly benefits from having seen Tomino's like, original story arc for uh, Gundam. Uh, that being like the original TV series or movie trilogy, depending on how you want to watch it. Zeta Gundam, Double Zeta, and uh, Shark Counterattack. I think having seen at least some of those after War Gundam X, like very much is like a nice interpretation of like what it'd be like to live after some of those events sort of thing. It's hard to explain. Um, then we got number nine, Galaxy Express 3.9. Uh, we've spoken about Galaxy Express 3.9 on the podcast. Um, just go listen to that episode. Yeah, really love that movie. 
And we got number eight, where I'm pulling a bit of a cop out. I know I'm on about IGN doing this, um, but it's your name and weathering with you. I mentioned this in the episode where we talk about your name and weathering with you. So, and again, if you want my full thoughts on that, go listen to that episode. Um, these movies are inseparable to me. They're very much like two sides of the same coin. Um, so yeah, I love Makoto Shinkai a lot. I'm very much looking forward to his new movie coming out. I hope we get, I hope we get it in cinemas over here. I'd love to go see it in cinemas. I've seen Weathering You in cinemas. I'd, I'd like to see the new one. But anyway, yeah, love these movies. Uh, like I said, inseparable to me, and that's why like they're on the list as like a one item. Uh, and then we got number seven. Urusei Yatsura, A Beautiful Dreamer. I mentioned it earlier in the show that one of the Urusei Yatsura movies was on my top list of all time. Here it is, Beautiful Dreamer, directed by... Uh... <laughs> Why am I blanking on so many names? Oh my god. Oh my god. He directed Ghost in the Shell. How can I forget his name? Why am I blanking today so badly? Jesus. You know what? This is just getting kept in at this point. You guys can laugh at me. Um, Mamoru Oshii. That's it. Yeah, this was his second movie that he directed, I believe. Because he directed... His uh, debut was the first Urusei Yatsura movie, Only You. And then he directed Beautiful Dreamer as well. Uh, then he went on to the Pat Labor stuff. And then he would do Ghost in the Shell later. Um, but yeah, this, this movie's great. If you've never seen Urusei Yatsura, if you've never seen any of the Urusei Yatsura movies, you can still watch this, and I highly recommend it. Again, if you're in the UK, I'm sorry, the only way it's available to watch is by importing it from America. Um, but yeah, I think you may be able to get the DVD of it from like CEX. They're probably still selling secondhand copies of it from somewhere. But yeah, uh, number six, we got Akira. We're going to be covering it on the podcast soon to peek behind the curtain a little bit. Uh, so yeah, I'm not going to say too much about that. Uh, number five, we've got Ghost in the Shell Standalone Complex. We're back to TV series again. <laughs> the last few have been movies. Um, I love the TV series Standalone Complex a lot. Like, I love Ghost in the Shell. So I love Standalone Complex for getting more of the characters, for getting individual like standalone episodes and the way the, the sort of overall complex narrative works. Because if you've never seen Standalone Complex, uh, the way the first season in particular works is that you have standalone episodes. These are episodes that just tell really good, interesting stories that are contained to maybe one, two episodes. Uh, and then you have complex episodes that, that tell the, the overarching narrative of that season. And I think it's a really interesting way to break it down, and it, it does tell it in a very good way. If you've never seen it, highly recommend it. I think it was on Netflix at one point. Don't know if it still is, but it's, it's available on the Blu-ray. It's available on the Blu-ray on Blu-ray in the UK um, for both seasons in like one package that I think comes with Solid State. No, sorry, it was the big like limited edition that I have because um, I have I own two versions. I've got a big collector's edition that's like so unwieldy. I I only ever watched it via that once when I first bought it, um, and I've got the the standard release of it. Uh, the standard release just comes with season one and two, and then you need to buy the uh, standalone, the Solid State Society, sorry, uh, movie OVA like conclusion thing separately. But you know, it's actually fairly cheap now. Uh, I think so is the 
the season bundle. Uh, so yeah, anyway, uh, number four is Berserk, the original 1997 anime adaption, not the fucking travesty that is the uh, 2016 adaption. I, I think this is the best interpretation of Kentaro Miura's vision of translating the manga to the screen. It's just a shame that I don't think anyone will ever be able to do it quite like that again. Um, I hear that Studio 4 Degree C did a good job of their own Golden Age arc adaption. But uh, I think if, if, you know, we wanted to see a full adaption of the manga, the style that was used by OLM uh, for Berserk was the way to go. And sadly, I don't think anyone will be able to do it again. Um, and I don't think content-wise, I think Berserk would struggle on TV for some of the stuff that happens later in, in this story. Um, but yeah, then, so number three, we got Mobile Suit, Gun- Mobile Suit Zeta Gundam. Um, we'll be covering this in the future on the podcast. I think this is the absolute height of... Hmm, actually, now that I say that, I was going to say it's the height of Tomino's work on Gundam. But turn A is very good. I think Tourney was the last good Gundam that Tomino worked on. Um, but Zeta is like probably the height of of that era of Gundam. And we got number two, Pat Labor 2, the movie. The movie that lives rent-free in my head a lot. This is a very good movie. This movie is weirdly prescient. It's like and, and like it never seems to lose its its commentary value on world affairs um highly recommend it if you're in the uk again sadly currently you can only buy it on dvd uh second hand probably through cex um whether you're buying the manga dvd or you're buying uh bandai's release um highly recommend it and then we got number one i think to the shock of nobody who's listened to the podcast we got ghost in the shell we spoke about this in the podcast. It was our first ever episode. So if you want to know my thoughts on that, just go listen to that episode. If you want to watch it, it was on Netflix. I don't think it is anymore, but you can buy it for very cheap on Blu-ray in the UK. Um, or you can import it from Japan to get a better translation, or you can import it from the US. Or if you want a really good translation and you have the means to play it, uh, I recommend the, the 4K release. It's like... It's, 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 it's a good translation. Um, so yeah, that's it. It's the end of the episode. It's, it's one of the longest ones I've ever recorded on my own. I'm almost at two hours. This is insane. Even as a trio, we've not recorded an episode this long in a long time. So yeah, um, I'm going to, I'm going to leave in all the little parts where I flounder around because as I kept forgetting people's name, I think it got increasingly more funny to me at least um so yeah thank you very much for listening to this episode of anime lane um as uh, as you probably have figured out by now the next episode is going to probably be a trio episode um i think this is coming out directly after we finished gundam so i think that means that the next episode is probably going to feature akira i don't remember what the other movie it, it it'll feature is but I'm pretty sure the next episode is going to be talking about Akira. So you'll get to hear my thoughts then. You'll get to hear what Sean and Melina think about it. Yeah. If you want to keep up to date with the show, you can follow us on Anime Lane 
Uh, you can follow us over on Twitter at Anime Lane Cast, where uh, every week before the podcast comes out, um, we tweet a spoiler warning, letting you know exactly what's going to be in the next episode. So, like, if you're following, say you were following the Twitter already, uh, or sorry, if you go to the Twitter right now, what you'll see is a spoiler warning for this episode, uh, which would say... Uh, Legends of the Galactic Heroes Season 3 and Jujutsu Kaisen Zero and you'd get to see little posters so you know exactly what you're looking for. So you can watch them you know, with plenty of time uh, before the, the episode actually comes out. Um, we're also on YouTube if you want to listen to us on there. If you know one of these, if you're listening to us on a podcast platform but you know, that's not your preferred way of listening to stuff you can listen to us on YouTube. Um... But even then, if you want to leave us your thoughts, I should say review us on iTunes or on Spotify. But to be honest, if you want to leave your thoughts, if you want to leave comments on anything we talk about, I recommend either tweeting at us at Anime Lane Cast. If you want to tweet something at me personally about something I've said, you can do it at Rebel Under Dash Tutorials. Or you can leave a comment on the YouTube upload of this. That's probably the best way us to see anything that you want to tell us and it's probably the bit it's the best way that we know how to interact with people on social media um i'm sure itunes i'm sure reviews on itunes and spotify and stuff do have an impact on how we are promoted and stuff like that but if you want to leave your thoughts with us tweet us comment on the youtube upload that's the best way to do it so yeah thank you for listening i hope you tune in next time goodbye